Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're beginning a series on the book of Jonah, this incredible story of this 8th century prophet, Jonah, son of Amittai, who was called to go preach in Nineveh, and we know the story. He ran, was swallowed by a fish, was spit out, had to go to Nineveh anyway, and ended up angry with God over the whole situation. But oftentimes, this story is handled a little too simplistically. So what I want us to do as we look at this story, and we're going to work our way through it, and and it's hard to just go bit by bit because we know so much of the story already, But we're going to work our way through this. And what I want us to see as we go through this is that Jonah might be a little bit more sympathetic of a character than what we often give him credit for. So let's pray together and then I'll read Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would strengthen us. That as we look at your word, as we understand, seek to understand your word, that your spirit would be at work, that I may speak clearly, that we all may hear clearly and be strengthened by your spirit. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Well, there's the setup for this story. We've got this guy, Jonah, son of Amittai. We see him also in 2 Kings 14. He was a prophet that was... Uh, you know, working and, and carrying out his ministry during the 8th century. And this was a time when Assyria was kind of the, the world power. And God appears to him and gives him these instructions to arise and go, like go immediately to Nineveh, this great city. And, and here we're probably to understand Nineveh, not just as the specific city proper, but as what we would think of as kind of a metropolitan area. Go and preach to them. Call out against them is how the ESV and many other translations deal with it. Some say that it should be call out concerning them because we see later in the book that repentance was an option for them. So call out concerning them because their evil has come up against me. That is what Jonah was to do. It's it's not all that odd of a call for a prophet. Uh, perhaps it's a little bit odd in that he's being sent to a Gentile nation and not to the Jewish people to whom most biblical prophets are sent. But nonetheless, he's sent with the word of God to go and announce God's will. I mean, that's what a prophet does. But interestingly, instead of doing that, we see in verse 3, Jonah didn't arise and go to Nineveh. Rather, he arose and fled to Tarshish. There's debate about where Tarshish is. It's probably, though, on the far end of Spain, on the Atlantic side of Spain, or the Atlantic side of the Iberian Peninsula. In other words, he was going as far away from Nineveh as he could. 
Get me on a boat and get me out of here. I am not going to the Ninevites. I, and, and it tells us that he ran away from the presence of the Lord. He, he was running from the call of God. He was running from obedience. Now, how we deal with this, there's, there's different ways. Oftentimes, Jonah is presented like he was in Veggie Tales. If you've got kids of a certain age, you know the song. Jonah was a prophet, but he really never got it. He did not get the point, right? He misunderstood the grace of God. He didn't get that God loved people, all of those things. Perhaps, I mean, certainly there's a little bit in there, but it seems later that he knew very much that God forgave people. That's why he didn't want to go. What exactly is going on here? Other times we say, oh, well, there, he's, got, he's a racist. That's the problem. He was a Jew, and, and he was proud, and he hated the Gentiles, and, and he didn't want any of them included. Now, I mean, uh, perhaps that is the case. But we get a little bit of a different picture of what might have been going on in Jonah's head when we look back at what the evil of this great city was. Remember, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians were known as a particularly brutal people. They, they loved being known as just absolutely, utterly brutal and violent. They loved being feared. One historian talking about the, the story of the Assyrians says, it is as gory and blood-curdling a history as we know. The commentator James Bruckner says in his commentary in the introductory remarks to Jonah, Assyrians boasted of their cruelty to captured peoples following the siege of their town or city, and their victims were not limited to combatants. Records brag of live dismemberment, often leaving one hand attached so they could shake it before the person died. They made parades of heads requiring friends of the deceased to carry them elevated on poles. They boasted of their practice of stretching live prisoners with ropes so they could be skinned alive. The human skins were then displayed on city walls and on poles. They commissioned pictures of their post-battle tortures where piles of heads, hands, and feet, and heads impelled on poles, eight heads to a stake, were displayed. They pulled out the tongues and testicles of live victims and burned the young alive. And so the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet. Arise, go to these people, for their evil has come up before me. And Jonah runs. All of a sudden, his running doesn't sound like, oh, he's some wild, you know, racist Jew who hates Gentiles. All of a sudden, it starts to sound like there's some baggage here. There might be some fear of there's no way I'm going to these people. I know what they do. We know from later in the story that Jonah is 
absolutely distraught that God would offer forgiveness to these such violent people who, who, by the way, had brutalized Israel in these ways. See, Jonah is being faced with all of these realities of life and his faithfulness to God. He's being faced with all of them coming crashing down together. Imagine, you know, God calling you to to a people known for, for this level of vileness, for this level of destruction, for this level of brutality. And God saying, no, go to them and declare my word to them. We start to see it might just have been the difficulty of the call that Jonah was struggling with. The difficulty of of reconciling this God that I worship, this God whom I serve, this God that, that is the basis of my life. Would he really forgive these people, is he really going to extend grace to them after all that they've done? Imagine if God called you to go to someone and announce the gospel to them because God knew of how they had brutalized children. And you know the gospel. You know that there's no sin save blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that can't be forgiven. Can you do that? Can you answer that call? See, it's not just faithlessness that we need to see in Jonah It's probably not even really racism that we need to see there. It's probably the reality of his, at some level, just desire for judgment on a nation that has built a reputation of absolutely, in the most gory ways, brutalizing seemingly for fun, whoever they want. And God is telling him to go preach there. All of a sudden, we start to realize a couple of things. One, Jonah might actually be a little more sympathetic of a character than what he's often given credit for. But two, we start to realize just exactly how extravagant God's grace really is. That he would even bother to send a minister of his word to a people of this reputation. And that's really what this whole story is about. That's what Jonah is wrestling with.
is the extravagance of God's grace to the most vile sinners. And here's the thing. We would do good to see that extravagant grace as nothing but good news. Because it is. That God is so extravagantly gracious to sinners such as these that he would lay their sin on his son is why we can hear ourselves. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're going to see over and over throughout this book. That God is, just as his word says, compassionate, merciful, gracious, abounding in steadfast love might we learn to revel in who and how our God is. Amen.